You're listening to Bellwether's podcast with Matthews Joseph. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Bellwether's podcast. And today we have Pastor Alan B. George with us on this podcast. It's a great honor to have Pastor Alan George. For most of you might be familiar with his name uh, because he has been phenomenal in the online uh, online churches uh he is for 10 years he was working as a pastor with life church online and after that he recently transitioned into a whole new era of digitalization and combining digitalization and helping churches build up the online environment and it's such an honor to have and most of all it's uh, it's a greater honor to have a malayali all the way from kerala who is actually on yes. this podcast <laughs> so pastor alan welcome to bell with us podcast it is Thank such you. a joy and honor to have you Thank you. It's an honor to be here and I'm glad uh, we're getting to have this conversation today. Yeah. So you you mind telling me a bit about yourself, you know, about uh, so that, you know, just to know that uh, the audience can know about the Malayali thing and also the pastoral <laughs> aspect of it. The Malayali thing. Yes. Um, so, yes, I am originally from India, from Kerala, uh, was born and raised in the Middle East for most of my life and then moved here in 2004. Um, I met a girl, fell in love with her. She didn't want to move to the Middle East. I wanted to marry her. So I moved here. So 17 years later, we have three children, one dog, and both of us are, have the opportunity of serving God. So um, we are thrilled with just how how God has been directing our steps and can't wait to see all that he does in the future. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, it's it's a lot of stuff. But yeah, I'm so thrilled to have you. And I'm pretty sure what the leadership insights and the uh, the digitalization insights and the church insights, everything that comes from you is going to be a, of great measure. And people are going to be really inspired by this conversation. And I really hope that. And I'm, I, I mean, I can't wait to be inspired by what you're about to say in these next few minutes. No pressure, right? I mean, you're just, you're, <laughs> you're, yeah, no pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you just got to be yourself. That's like the best thing you got to do. So uh, let's go on to the first question. So I think this is this question uh, is be I think this this first question that I'm about to ask has been asked by a lot of people, especially since the 2020, 2021 year, uh, uh, years. Uh, and that's one question that I really uh, look forward to a response. But because when I ask this question to different people, they all have a different opinion. They all have a different point of view. So how do you think leadership on a whole has transitioned in the last one year through this pandemic? Um, that is a very broad question because um, I think many people have different opinions of how they define leadership. And I think one of the one of the realities of leadership is um, people think that when you're a leader, you have extreme certainty as to, you know, what decision you need to make. And people think that the better leader you are, the more certainty you have as to how to lead. But a lot of times, the more influence you have or the greater responsibility you have from a leadership perspective, the less certainty you have because leaders exist to bring clarity in times of uncertainty. So I think there is there is a, a misunderstanding at times when it comes to leadership. But I, I think this last year, nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew how to lead. And it was not just the church world, but you see how restaurants responded and you see how hospitals responded and you see how different companies and organizations, for-profit, non-profit people responded. And honestly, it is that resilience and flexibility and the ability to lead in the midst of uncertainty that allowed 
organizations to succeed or that caused organizations to uh, close down and not succeed. And so um, I, I remember talking to a, a guy that ran a restaurant and he said, man, I it was it's heartbreaking to not be able to see people in my restaurant. I want them to walk through my doors. But I also realized that I can still support the community with having a great to go system or whatever, you know, order online. And so he talked, he told me that he was actually making more money during the pandemic versus prior to it because people still wanted to order food. But it required him to be flexible and be willing to change his ways of operating in order to adjust to the current needs. And so I think it's true of church world, outside of church world, as leaders, we're called to be flexible. We don't need to have all the answers, but we need to drive towards clarity. Clarity and certainty are two different things. I think clarity is more, we know the direction we're headed. Um, we may not know all the steps needed, but we can build the steps as we're going, but we know that's the direction we want to go. So, um, I think this past year has shown all of us, because um, I believe that we're all leaders to some extent. Uh, even if you are uh, staying at home with your kids, you're leading your children and you have to figure out the new rhythm um, when it comes to helping them understand their schoolwork and how do you lead them through that season. So I think all of us have led in different ways and it's the ones that have had the ability to be flexible, the ones that knew that it's not about certainty, it's about clarity. There, I, I, I sense that those are the ones that have seen success um, in the efforts that they've taken. Yeah, that's that's very much true about a couple of points that you hit up over there, like clarity and certainty. That's that's something really amazing because uh, people who, are, who have a clarity may not be certain and people who are certain mm -hmm. may not have a clarity. So it's something that you need to square up at the beginning itself or else at the end of the day, you might get confused. Both, uh, the Both might cross paths yeah. and it might end up in a mess so you know clarity and certainty are totally different things and i i just love that you hit that point up because that is something important as leaders we need to be we need to have a clarity and certainty i mean at least to an at least to a little extent you know i mean probably we might not be having an entire clarity on how things work out but you know at least we should i mean a rough plan is like the best thing to do yeah it, the, the way the way i think about it is so if you want to use a math example clarity say is the answer for Certainty is two plus two is four. And the person that is, is choosing certainty over clarity, what happens is unless it's two plus two, they won't try anything different. And so if someone says, well, what if we do one plus three? No, no, no it's gotta be two plus two. Well, what if it's one plus one plus one plus one? No, 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 it's gotta be two plus two. And so if you're holding on to certainty, you, you'll never be able to take a step forward. However, if you're holding on to clarity as a leader and your goal is the number four, then whether it's two plus two, one plus three, three plus one, or one plus one plus one plus one, the goal is to get to the predetermined destination. How you get there might change, but we're still getting to the destination. So that to me is how I differentiate between certainty and clarity. And I lean towards clarity because in today's world, it's it's unpredictable. Um, the I mean, if you look at last year, it's not just the pandemic. It's the racial tensions. It's so many things, the politics that was happening. And it's not just in the U.S., but all over the world in those kind of situations. 
there's no way that you could stick to what used to work and what I used to do was this. So I'm going to keep trying that. No, we know our destination. I now got to figure out a new way to get there because my current situation determines me to be flexible. So for me, that's how I view clarity and certainty. And I think clarity is what I lean towards when it comes to leading. Wow, that's that's just amazing. This is like spot on stuff that you just said. And I also want to hit up one of the other things that you said that everybody's a leader. And even if a person who's leading from home with three kids, stay at home dad or stay at home mom, you're still a leader. And that is something amazing because I think that's something that's a concept of leadership that has been uh, something that we I, I would say that we are not exactly looked over because I believe I, I think most every leader believes like everybody has uh, everybody has the potential for leadership and mm-hmm. all the seven billion people in the world everybody has every person has the potential for leadership but leadership today has been made like more like a position oriented one rather than action oriented uh, action oriented which actually has caused people to mix up okay if you're in a position you're a leader but they don't realize that they have the potential to be a leader because i mean one of the greatest examples uh, i read it i read recently in a book like this because everybody is a leader everybody has a potential for leadership and uh, one of the greatest examples that this writer points out is the example of billy graham Billy Graham is like the world's world's most foreknown evangelist. And Billy Graham's parents, I mean, they were not world-class leaders or they were not big, big church leaders or anything, but their job was to lead Billy Graham, to teach their kids, to teach them the ways of the Lord, to teach them, them, to lead them into life, into into how to live in this world. And they did it better. They did the best way possible that resulted in Billy Graham becoming, I mean, of course, there's God's grace, God's provisions and everything but also there was also this this thing called leadership from the parents that actually influenced him to become one of the leaders and i think every every parent is actually a leader and every person is a leader and you know when you actually hit that point i just want to bring that up because leadership you know it's not uh, because today we believe leadership is action oriented i mean we believe leadership is position oriented but not action oriented but it's actually the other way around it's more action oriented yeah and if i may tweak what you said uh, just a little bit i think everyone's a leader and everyone has the potential to be a good leader because I think everyone's a leader and you're either a good leader or a bad leader. I think even the bad leaders have a potential to be a good leader um, because there's there's many examples in the world of bad leadership, uh, but there's examples of good leadership too because I think leadership to me is influence. And so if you are in a place where you can influence someone, might be the people that follow you on social media, might be your kids, might be your spouse, your siblings, your friends, your coworkers. Uh, you, if you can influence them to take any direction, that is leadership. And so how you use that opportunity depends on the individual. And that's, I think, how you might say, oh, he, he or she is a good leader or he or she is a bad leader. So I, I think of it as everyone is a leader they have the potential to be a good leader wow that's that's the spot on again but i think it's time we need to move to the next topic because leadership is a vast topic and i think we could keep on talking for hours on yes. just this one <laughs> yeah so yeah so moving on to the next question it's more about your or your your position as a life church online pastor. So you were leading the life church church online uh, online church even before the pandemic started. How do you think leading life church online pre pandemic served as a qualifier for leading the online church during the pandemic? Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about this topic of how there are pastors and church leaders today that are struggling because they were forced into you know, being an online pastor um, all over the nation, if not the world, 
you see many people now saying, oh, my new title is church online pastor or online director or something like that. And what's, what's, what's interesting to me is when I stepped in that role, it was a choice I made. Um, when the rest of the world um, had to you know, make that decision, they were forced into it. And I think there's a difference being forced into it and actually choosing to take that step. So I don't come from a technology background. I, I'm not a digital native. The thing that drew me towards online ministry was a couple of things. One, when I gave my life to Christ, I just asked God, I said, God, what do you want me to do? I was willing to do whatever he wanted me to do because he radically changed my life. And so I remember God telling me that I want you to go into the world and tell people what I did for you. It sounds really simple, uh, but I'm a logical thinker. I'm a concrete thinker, unfortunately. And and so for me, I, I got stuck where he said, go into the world because that sounds good on a bumper sticker, but realistically, I felt like God was setting me up for failure because people spend an entire lifetime trying to reach their community or their city. How can a person reach the entire world? And so when, you know, fast forward to joining on staff at Life Church, I started at one of our physical locations. And when this opportunity to lead church online came, the, the light bulb moment happened for me because I, I was reminded of what God said. And I saw, man, at the click of a button, you can reach the world. I think what also helped me was I had family that lived in different countries. And so I knew that, you know, connecting online or doing a video call online or FaceTime video or things like that, that's, you know, that you, you leverage whatever opportunity you have to continue building relationships. I'll, I'll give you an example. So my mom, she used to live in India. If, if when my mom called me and did a video call and said, Hey, I want to see the kids, the grandkids, put them on, on the phone. If I were to tell her mom, you know, a video call is not going to give you the best experience as compared to being in the same room with them. So I'd like for us to not do the video call and let's wait until you can fly here in person. My mom would slap me on the backside of my head through that phone. She'll say, put the grandkids on because I want to see them. And I think many times as a church, we tend to complicate something that's not that complicated. We, we tend to go, do we, you know, is physical church better or online church better? You're asking the wrong question. It's not about which one's better. It's about leveraging everything that we can to share the gospel and to reach people who don't know Christ. And so if you're telling me I can pray with somebody that's living in Denmark or China or Hong Kong or Israel, and, and, and if I come up with the excuse, well, I can pray with them, but a video call doesn't give you the best experience. I'm missing out on an opportunity that God has created for us in this generation. So for me, it's not about which one's better. It's about doing everything we can to reach people who don't know Christ. So that's my mindset. And I think these past almost 10 years doing church online, the life church, as a concrete thinker, I think God knew that I needed to see examples. And I can tell you story after story of how God radically transformed people's lives by them simply watching a message online or attending a service online or a social media post or an email even that resulted in conversation and leading somebody to Christ. So for me, it's not about saying, oh, the you know, is this the perfect model or not? No. Do we believe that God can do immeasurably more than we can dare to imagine? If that's the case, God can use the internet. 
God can use a laptop. God can use a cell phone. God can use an email. God can, I would even say God can even use a poorly written email to, to reach someone who's lost. So for me, I view it as let's not underestimate what God can do. Let's view this as an opportunity that he's created and given us the tools to navigate this different new season we have in front of us. Oh, that's, that's just spot on because, you know, and, you know, we need to, I mean, we need to do something like that. We need to always leverage the opportunities we have because I've seen I've, over the course of the last, last few years, I've met a lot of people say, you know, uh, God has not given me a chance. God is not, I mean, you know, I'm praying God to open up a way. I, I'm, I'm praying God to do this, do that. And, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, did you do what the last thing God asked you to do? And mm-hmm. that's that's what you need to do because the last thing that God says to I mean, if you want to if you want to be used by God, if you want to be leveraged by God to do great things, I think you need the first thing you need to do what the last thing that God asked you to do and just do it. And that's that's going to be a, a opener for the rest of the things in your life. And especially when it comes to technology today, like you said, you know, you we can pray with people in different parts of the world, different time zones. You know, earlier we earlier that was not possible. Maybe five years back or ten years back, which sounded like a remote or a vague idea. And if I mean, if you actually told people like ten years back, hey, you know, in ten years you're going to be speaking, talking with people in an online basis, people would have. I'm pretty sure people would have slap me if I told that. So today it's come to, it's become a reality. I mean, whether we like it or not, but the important point is that we have a lot of opportunity here. We can talk to people, we can connect with people online. I mean, I, I can connect with people in India or Bangladesh or or China or, or Japan or anywhere in the world, on the other side of the world because of the technology that has been with us. And when we leverage that, you know, in the right sense, in the right way, we can reach to many more people. And I, re- I recently read a survey that there's like almost 7 billion people on, on, on planet Earth. And in that, almost 3.5 billion people use social media. That's like half the population of the world. And, you know, you you have the, st- the statistics are right there. So it's just the step that you take to, you know, to, to, to move forward and, you know, to digitalize yourself and, you know, go ahead and do it. And today, digitalization is not even a hard task. I mean, Instagram or, or Facebook, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a big deal. I mean, you know, I know people, I mean, people, pretty old people even can do, uh, make a Facebook account. So, and they still, I mean, my grandmother, she does prayer line sometimes for Facebook and all. I'm like, wow. I mean, I never knew this thing existed for a while, but you know, yeah. this this is something amazing. I mean, you know, how you leverage technology and how you can use that technology for, for God and for, for the for the will of God, for the purpose that he has put you. So I want to go on to the next question, more like on the digitalization one. And, you know, how do you think like, uh, I mean, since you're, 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 in, you're in an entirely new position with helping churches digitalize completely into the online online portfolio, how how do you how how do you how do you feel about that? How do you feel like this digitalization era has been changing? How do you think this the twentieth uh, this decade has been entirely changing with the digitalization that's coming forward? I th- I think that in many ways it's already there and it's already present. I think the church has not been as aggressive as we need to be when it comes to adopting. Uh, digital uh, tools and platforms. Um, case in point, I mean, you can purchase something on Amazon um, and it, it sends you three other things that are recommended to purchase and it understands your buying uh, habits. Um, Google, you, the when, when people have questions in life, when people are trying to answer life's most difficult questions, nowadays they're not talking 
necessarily to a trusted mentor for first. They're not talking to their pastor first. They're not talking to their friends. They go on Google and they go, how do I do this? Um, if it's not Google, it's Google's other search engine, which is YouTube. And it's, I mean, everybody is, is trying to figure out, man, how do I do this? But they, they go online because, and it's not Google that's answering the question. It's other people answering other people's questions. So it's still people connecting with people. And so to me, I, I'm always wondering about how we as a church can redefine ourselves. Because if you, if you look back to the Old Testament, the body of Christ or followers of Christ or the children of God, we have always been a disrupted body. We've always been forced to move. And it goes all the way from the, from the beginning. When you see the Israelites being set free from, uh, you know, being under the Egyptians, what you notice was they were being led by God, either by a cloud or a pillar of fire. And the Bible says that when God moved, the people moved. And so they, they were used to disruption. Their lives were built around the expectation that things were going to change. Unfortunately, over the years, we have lost a little bit of that. And disruption is something we detest. We don't want it because we've created models and we've created formulas to make church work. And so anything that disrupts that, you know, kind of bothers us. So I think for us, we just need to return to who we are. It, during this pandemic, during everything that we're seeing, is this a way of us knowing that, man, I think God's moving and he's trying to do something different. Instead of us taking our tents and building palaces around it, let's put the tents down and move and follow God because we've always been a body that's chosen to follow him rather than comfort and convenience. And so for me, as I look across uh, the opportunities we have, I, I think God's trying to catch our attention. I think he has radically shifted our thinking. What we thought was, you know, people are dying to come to our buildings once a week. Uh, I, I feel like churches are realizing that it's not the people coming to us. We need to go to the people. And if you look at technology today, that thing is built for us to do that. So it's not about the church doesn't even have to build anything. We just need to use what's already available because end of the day, it's not about programs or it's not about just, just, you know, programs that we build at church. It is about connecting with people. It's about people being there for each other. The greatest commandment is love God. Second greatest is to love others just like you love yourself. And so it's all about loving God and loving people. It's not about buildings. It's not about cathedrals. It's not about fancy, fancy looking lighting and, um, you know, things like that. It's about God and it's about his people. And so we just need to position ourselves to where we are sensitive to that fruit. So when I look, look ahead, what excites me is that um, I think that churches will have the opportunity to step into it or they'll be forced into it. Either way, I think that's the direction we're going. I think that's that's a very important point that you just said. Like, you know, when there's a crisis, the church expands. I mean, pretty much all throughout the Bible. I mean, if you actually look at the best example is the first church. Uh, they were When they were in Jerusalem and they were persecuted, they, they expanded into every other region. They, they went into the different near neighboring countries. They went into the Asia Minor region. They went to Europe. And then, you know, it just kept on expanding. So mm -hmm. every time there was a crisis, it always proved that the church is, I would say the church is like the most prepared organization in the world. And that is pretty much true because any Thing comes i mean because the first church has been um, from, from the beginning from the first century church 
the church is the one thing that has been constant all throughout. You know, all through, there will be many organizations, billionaires, millionaires have come and gone around, presidents, prime ministers, leaders, politicians, everything has come and come and gone around. But the church is the one thing that has been stable all throughout the last 2021 years. And that is because God actually placed the church in a, such a strategic way to mm-hmm. be to be the pillar to be to be the door to him so you know through that so that we Whoa. can reach we reach out to people and so that we you know we can tell them about Christ you know make make an open open invitation to anybody who's broken who is who needs Christ you know come to us we we we, we lead you to Christ Christ is here this is the bride of Christ and that is something amazing and this church how the church is transitioned all throughout the last 2021 years is actually amazing and you know and even with the pandemic when people thought you know the church is going to die i mean no the church would never die because the church will still keep on going because of because of what god has placed in the hearts of many uh, many men and women who are who are ready to give give up everything and do for the for the lord well and because it's his church Exactly. And I think sometimes we forget because we have our name on the side of the building. We think it's our church. It's not ours. It's his. And so he cares more about the church than we will ever begin to care about. He cares more about the people than we can ever care about. And so that's as long as we remember that this is his church, we'll be headed in the right direction. Wow, that's that's spot on. I, I, I think you're going into preaching mode again. So I think that's that's pretty amazing. All right, cool. So I want to go on to the next question, and I think this question is also pretty strategic because of uh, how we. I mean, uh, we don't know how long we will be in this pandemic phase or like in the work from home phase. So I just want to ask you this question: What tips would you be able to give to people uh, to lead better during this time in the pandemic? Um. Leaders, as in like church leaders or anybody, or what? what let's say, can let's you... go for a more general one because you know, I think that 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 serves the audience because there's a lot of different people, I mean, a lot of different leaders. So, I think you know, on sure. a generalized one would be better. Yeah, um, I, I recently shared this on my social media, but a, a question that I get quite often is, Alan, I'm confused about my purpose, I don't know why I exist, I don't know why I'm here, you know, how do I know what I'm created for? Um, it's like you said earlier, you know, people might be wondering, man, I want to be used by God. I wish he would open the door for me. And, and, and it's almost like they're waiting. And I was reminded by two questions. And I believe it was Andy Stanley that, that mentioned this long time ago, but when you're asking yourself about purpose, these two questions really helped. I wish somebody asked me these two questions. So the two questions were this, instead of saying, what is my purpose? Let's redefine that question as who is my purpose? Um, Because what is my purpose indicates, you know, the purpose serves me. And it's all so that my kingdom can get bigger. When we add, when we rephrase it and go, who is my purpose? It's not about us anymore. It's about who we can serve, which aligns exactly with scripture. So instead of asking yourself, man, what, I wish I knew what my purpose was. What if we were to ask ourselves, who is my purpose? Who does God have me here to serve? The second question that I really like, just another way to think about it, is if you were, you know, at the last stage of your life and there were a line of people outside that were lining up to talk to you and they were to thank you, what would they thank you for? What would they like? What if they came to you and said, man, Matthews, I just want to, I just want to say thank you because of you blank. How would they, what would you want to hear? I think those two questions can really help you shape 
and help you see maybe what your purpose is. And honestly, just get out and try. And so if my advice during this season, as you're trying to figure this out as to how do I lead, where do I lead, what do I do? Try to think about it instead of what, ask the question, who, who does God have around you? Who does have, who does God have that might be following you on social media? Um, I love getting questions from random people because it, it, it gives me another opportunity to share the love of Christ because a lot of people are hurting out there. A lot of people are asking questions. A lot of people are wondering what their next step needs to be. And maybe God has placed a vision and an answer, or even your life could be a testimony to what they're going through. And so don't hide that. Don't don't wait for the doors uh, to be open. It's not a magical moment. Like I've been in leadership now for a little bit. There's no magical moment where someone says, oh, um, most fabulous leader, Alan, we have created this great opportunity for you. And here we are opening the doors. That's not how it works. You just take a step. You take a step when when you think that even even if you're on social media and like, for example, Matthews, you're doing this podcast, you just have to be obedient, even if you're not seeing exactly what you wish you would see. You just because you just don't know who's going to listen to this, who's going to hear this, whose life could could be changed forever by your act of obedience, because the outcome is not our responsibility obedience is our responsibility. God handles the outcome. And so as a leader, as you're looking ahead, remember that your job is to obey. It's God's job to handle the outcome and think of it as a who rather than a what. It's not what is my purpose, it's who is my purpose. So that would be a, a advice I would give you as you're stepping out or you're thinking about, man, where do I go from here? Maybe those questions could get you headed in the right direction. Wow, that's that's an amazing, an amazing one. You know, who is my purpose rather than what is my purpose? That's a, that's a total paradigm shift in your perspective. So I think that's pretty amazing. And I think we're almost towards the end of this uh, of the session. So I want to ask you the last question. So uh, what would be the golden words from Alan V. George? Oh, man. Um, I, I think, so when I look back at my life, I think I had a lot of opportunities to quit and to stop and to not take a step forward. When when I was growing up, it's the weirdest thing. I, I, I always felt like, man, God had a plan for me. I knew that God wanted to use me to reach some people or reach the world and all of that. But my current situation did not match what I thought God was calling me to do. And it was, I was so close. I mean, I, I was, I guess like you could say this way, I was one decision away from quitting and, and allowing the things around me and some of the negative voices around me to, to just give up. Um, I think you always have people that will try to talk you out of a big vision. You always have pe- people trying to talk you out of what you think your purpose is. Um, I, I, like I said, I grew up in the Middle East um, I grew up in a place called Bahrain. And today, so if you go on Google Maps right now and you type in Bahrain, like you have to zoom in about 50 times before you can actually see it. It's a tiny little island in the Middle East. And so for me living there, I, I used to think, man, how in the world am I going to reach anybody from this little island? But you just never know how God opens doors and how he creates opportunities for you. And so if there's any advice I can give you 
it would be to never give up. It just just because you don't see what's coming doesn't mean you need to quit. Don't quit, um, whether it's with regards to your education, your career, your relationships. Maybe your marriage is on the verge of, of, of just a, a massive breakup. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop. God has a plan for you, and it's greater than you can imagine, but it's going to require you to keep moving forward. Because I, I tell myself this, Peter only, Peter got to walk on water because he stepped out of the boat. If he never stepped out of the boat, he would have never been able to walk on water. So if you want to walk on water, you got to step out of the boat. You can't quit halfway through. You've got to keep going. So for me, I know that's pretty generic, but it holds a lot of meaning for me when I, when I say never give up because that's how close I was. And if I had given up, I would never have had the opportunity to meet my wife. I would never have had the opportunity to see my kids. I would never have had the opportunity to be part of what God did in and through Life Church. And, and now in this new season, I would have never seen that either if I had quit. And so never give up, don't quit, just keep on going and trust that God will open the doors when, when, when he needs those doors to be open. Wow, that's just amazing. And I think that's so inspiring. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I can feel that over here. And I think people who listen to this right now are also feeling that. But thank you so much, Pastor Alan, for those for this incredible session. And it's been an eye opener. A lot of things that you said about leadership, about leading, digitalization, your golden words, everything is amazing. And, you know, thank you so much for being here. I can't thank you enough for being here. That's such a joy and so much fun to have you over here. Thank you. It's been an honor. God bless you. God bless you too. All right, guys, that, that was Pastor Alan V. George, who just shared to us amazingly about leadership, digitalization, the online church, the, uh, the golden words from him and everything. So make sure you guys, if you guys really love this episode, go ahead and listen to it once again, because that is pretty sure there's something that you might have missed. And also don't forget to share this episode with your friends and uh, with your friends. And thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for your ne next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Bellwether's podcast. If you loved this episode, do not forget to share and subscribe. Also, we would really appreciate if you could leave a review. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.